Welcome to the Upside Down Kingdom podcast, everyone. Today, I sat down with Lisa Baker. Uh, we talked about her story a little bit, but we mainly talked about singleness. Um, we talked about a book I read called Seven Myths About Singleness, and we talked about every single myth and debunked every single myth. Um, she ended up actually reading the book with me, so I didn't know she read it, but yeah, enjoy. Hey everyone, welcome to the Upside Down Kingdom podcast. I'm here with Lisa Baker today. Hi. What is up, Lisa? Hi guys. This is a new experience for me, to say the least, but I'm excited. Yeah. Elisa, on the other day on your story on Instagram, you put like some like poll or question about beans. <laughs> do you want yeah, yeah. to talk about that a little bit? Because I'm a little curious. Why don't you just say like what the actual question was? Cause <laughs> okay, so the other day... I, well, okay, it, it's April 26th today, but it was recently Easter, and Easter is the best time for multiple reasons, but one of them being that Starburst jelly beans exist around Easter time, and so I'm not a jelly bean guy. I'll allow that for today, but um, no, have you had Starburst jelly beans? They're like in a different league compared to like the Jelly Belly. I don't know. It's just like a weird, like, they're just awkwardly crushy on the outside uh-huh. and weirdly gooey on the inside and just sticky. And it's kind of weird. Okay. I don't enjoy it. Okay. And then aren't well, they like, don't they make like the jelly beans from like insect feces or something like that? Um, I think you're referring to gelatin, which is in a lot of things. So don't be hating on jelly beans specifically just because of gelatin, Adam. Okay. Anywho, so jelly bean season rolls around, um, and I just bought a little egg that had jelly beans in it, and I'll show you. And oh my goodness! (laughs) So I was eating some jelly beans out of the egg, and I spilled my beans, and so (laughs) I was on Snapchat with one of my friends, and I was like, "No, I spilled my beans." And she responded back and she's like, what beans are you eating? And I'm like, wait, 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 what beans do you think I would spill and pick up, be sad about, and then try to eat again? So that kind of prompted the question. And I had some interesting submissions, baked beans, green beans, lima beans. What do you say? Um, I definitely would assume jelly beans, but someone else, someone else said coffee beans. They thought I spilled my coffee beans. Um, you said brown beans. Yeah, you didn't even know what brown beans were. Yeah, I. <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know there were all the different types of beans, but now I do. I guess. I think I've of been, Kevin from The Office when he spells like, isn't it like? It's not beans, is it? It's like a whole pot. It's ch- It's chili. I don't really watch The Office, so I can't feed off of this. Oh my goodness! I don't know now. <laughs> Because, like, there's a scene where he's, he has a whole big pot of something. I thought it was beans for a little bit. But now I'm realizing it's probably chili. Kelsey, if you I listen mean, to this, I need you to rebuke me. Oh, I mean, I know a lot of people that watch The Office that will definitely listen to this and be like, oh, and, correction, it was. Yeah. Everyone, everyone loves The Office. I, Office is all right. It, it some people watch it like four or five times over and over again. I'm like, uh, I'll just watch something else. Yeah, I, I think if I got into it, I would think it's funny, but I've never gotten into it. So that's okay. I have other things to do. <laughs> I have other shows to watch, so that's okay. <laughs> I'm, yeah. yeah, no, I'm not much of a – I watch – I don't watch that much TV, honestly. TV is like weird for me to watch just because like I'm sitting down and I feel so unproductive. Um, it depends. Sometimes I watch like Survivor, and <laughs> I binge that hard. But most of the time, I don't watch that much. Um, I do know what you do instead. You play five hours of Animal Crossing. Animal Crossing is dope. Anyone listening to this, if you play Animal Crossing, <laughs> send me a message. We can <laughs> go to each other's islands. That'd be great. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Why don't we? 
Lisa, what do you even? So you work at Christ Church. I do. What is your I role? What is your role there? I have no idea, honestly. Yeah, I work and live in the Quad Cities, and I oversee the children's ministry. So I get to hang out with little ones, infant to grade five. Yeah, I couldn't. I can't remember if you're like youth or like children's ministry. So always, always mix it up. Who's? Yeah, before I moved to the Quad Cities, I worked in youth ministry for two years. So where where did you work at? I worked in Boone at my home church. Oh right, her. right. Yeah. Remember that. Yeah. Why don't you just kind of like give us a rundown of like your kind of life a little bit. Let's oh, like, uh, let's kind of like get into it a little deeper and just tell us, yeah. tell us, tell us the details of how Elisa became Elisa. Oh shoot. Okay. Well, um, kind of fast forward through some of the messy stuff, but my senior year of high school, um, I was like, what am I going to do when I grow up? Which is what I ask myself that every single day when I wake up and brush my teeth nowadays. But um, I was talking to my pastor and she's like, you know, you should totally, you could totally be a teacher. You'd be a great teacher. Um, and everyone was like, you're, you're supposed to be a teacher, duh. Um, but you can take the summers and you can go like on mission trips. And I don't know what conversations we had had in the past. Like those completely have slipped my mind. But for some reason, we were like aligned that missions were going to be part of my life. And so my um, first year of school at Iowa State, go Cyclones, I oh, heard yeah. Kelsey's podcast where she was like saying it was a Hawkeye State. And I was like, okay, well, I was a little but- hurt. You know, <laughs> I'm a Hawkeye at heart, but I'm kind of, I'm so, I'm low. You, key- have, to, you have to say go yeah, Cyclones. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like changing me being far away from like Iowa State. I'm like, well, now I'm going to go back. I'm not going to watch any more Iowa games. I'm going to get to like my actual like, school games because you know I kind of go here yeah so bad yeah but um but I went to Iowa State and I was elementary education and after getting in a classroom I just felt um convicted to change my major to child adult and family services and um my intent in that was doing child advocacy and so after my freshman year, um, I started volunteering back in my home church. So I kind of took a year off of being a youth student and then came back as a volunteer. And um, that second year, I was going to school, um, definitely some challenges along the way, but I deeply enjoyed being at the church, like deeply enjoyed it. And um, throughout this whole time of being in school, I definitely did not um, – I don't know, like I I didn't connect to it in the way that I feel like a lot of people do. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it's because I didn't like fully embrace the college lifestyle or if that's just not who I am because I'm like such a mom of the group that I can't just like let go and do what everyone else is doing. Right. But uh, after my sophomore year, I decided I was going to leave school and I was gonna pursue mission work full time is what I told myself. And um it definitely been on my heart and a lot of people, you know, have like mentioned stuff to me, but I'm like, there's no way I can do that. Like I'll disappoint so many people in my life. Um, and I ended up leaving school and, um, hadn't told anyone, not a single person. And my pastor at the church in Boone, she met up with me one day and she's like, Hey, so we're actually trying to hire you as our youth person this fall. So we'll work around your school schedule. And it was like word vomit. And I was like, I'm not going back to school. And she was like, oh, okay, cool. And so from there, I had a full-time job in addition to working at the church. But I um, was able to go on an international mission trip to Haiti with the current church I work at, um, led some domestic trips as the youth leader in Boone. But um, God just provided through all of that. And um, I got heavily connected with a summer camp like Kelsey mentioned on your last episode, Summer Games. And so um, throughout it all, God's really worked in every step. And now being at the church, I um, do teach kids (laughs) and I am a child advocate. So it is um, overwhelming how God provides for us. And in those moments where you're like, this won't matter in my story. It very much does. So God knows the details. So it's very sweet that way. Yeah, I think that 
I know it's really interesting. Like you say, like um, every detail matters, and like you say, like this won't matter my story. Like thinking about like my own life, mm-hmm. there's just like tons of things that just happened, and I realized that like I wouldn't have wanted anything any other way, the good and the mm-hmm. bad. I'm sitting here right now. I'm like, well, life was kind of crappy at this point in time, but it wouldn't have made me the person I am today. And maybe I won't. I wouldn't have. I won't. What's the word? I'm like messing up my grammar. I want to be <laughs> as loving to Jesus as I am right now. Um, yeah. I want to love Jesus as much as I do right now. That's what I'm trying to say. Yes. Um, yeah. But every every moment, God uses for His glory, and right, and it's. It's just amazing when you look back and you're like, wow, I thought that moment was so insignificant, but God sees me and he knows me and he cares for me and you can't help but be overwhelmed by that. Yeah, the like really cool thing about like God doing stuff for his glory is that like we're, we're in Habakkuk, whatever, however you say it, and um, <laughs> at my church uh, and uh, the prophet's kind of like talking, praying to God, but God responds like, Something about like providing. Oh, it's talking about Hebrews eleven. Um, we we weren't like specifically in uh, Habakkuk, but like that. There's like a line. I can't find it. I was gonna bother me now if I don't like just read it. <laughs> God said, says to the prophet, he says, "But the righteous shall live by faith." Um, and that's quoted a ton of places in like the New Testament. Um, but Right before that is just Habakkuk, like questioning God, like why is everything like this? Why are you allowing this to happen? Um, but God says the righteous that live by faith. Uh, the really cool part about that, uh, when he's like when we're talking about like that one chapter in Hebrews about all about faith. Um, let me find it. We're talking about like oh, but Moses lived by faith, Abraham lived by faith, Sarah lived by faith. Um, all these people live by faith, but they didn't get to like see the end of it. Um, yeah. God's promise doesn't last. It's, it lasts longer than human lifespan. And I was just like, kind of like, whoa, mm-hmm. I always forget that. I might not see it right now, but um, everything is for his glory. Uh, but yeah, yeah, sweet. And that's not to say that when they had faith that it didn't, it didn't suck and it wasn't hard right right because it probably was those things but um god provided something better oh for sure better than any story we could ever think of or write which is always amusing yeah sweet so one of the things i really wanted to talk about today was seeing us in the church i think that like as a generation now or like just in general people just really have a problem with singleness and like people think it's like the worst thing ever Mm-hmm. Their lives don't start until they're like dating someone or they're married or they have kids. And that's just not true at all. Um, so I read a book called Seven Myths About Singleness by Sam Alberry. And I sent Elisa the seven myths, but then Elisa read the whole book. Yeah. Which, isn't it such a good book? It honestly um, changed my whole perspective on singleness in general. I, I don't want to be like a Sam hater because I'm yeah. not. But, uh, I mean, there's definitely, there's definitely things that I deeply connected to, which we can, we'll probably talk about. Um, and there are things that I'm like, life is so much bigger and God is so much bigger than this one topic, uh, that he like drills on. But I definitely, with that, I definitely understand like when you write a book, you need to have a black and white (laughs) argument. Um, but overall I think it was, um, a good reminder for me that like God is working in this season. And that's not to say that I'm not content with it, but like God is working in this season and he'll work in the next season and the next season. Um, so that was, that was helpful for me. Sweet. Yeah. I'm going to read the seven myths so that when we talk about each myth, no one's like confused about what we're talking about. Uh, so the first one is singleness is too hard. And then singleness requires a special calling. Singleness means no intimacy. Singleness means no family. Singleness mean or singleness hinders ministry. Singleness wastes your sexuality, and last, singleness is easy. So it like contradicts the first one. Um, mm-hmm. Let's just talk about the first one. Uh, singleness yeah. is too hard. What do you What do you think about that? <laughs> so um, life is hard in general. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> um, and I think to compare singleness to marriage or dating or having kids or being a widow um, is a little selfish to be like, my life is super right. hard. Um, but singleness can be hard. It can, especially when you're living the comparison game mm -hmm. and um, you're looking at that from either the emotional standpoint of like, there's someone there to take care of me. There's someone that's not there to take care of me versus if I were married or just the, you know, physical stuff like, well, if I were married, I'd have two incomes and I'd have a bigger house or a nicer house. Um, I, I do think it's hard, but it's life is always hard. Yeah. So one of the quotes he says in this chapter, he says, a significant temptation for singles, especially if we live on our own, is to become self-centered. I can easily become anxious about the things about me. Um, it is easy to do what I want, how I want, when I want. I don't have a significant other to flex around. Do you find yeah. yourself like um, being self-centered sometimes in like your own time and uh, how do you like live as a single person? For sure. I mean, even right now in the midst of coronavirus, I feel mm -hmm. like all of my independence has been taken away because I do what I want when I want with whoever I want, whenever I want for however long <laughs> I want. And um, yeah, I definitely am selfish in that way. But um, I think in the sense, like, I don't have to consider anyone else when I think about generosity. You know, like, I don't, I don't have to, I don't have to think about kids or a spouse when I think, how much am I going to tithe? How much am I going to give away? How much, you know, like, things like that. So you can be selfish, but it's also, at this point, the only person you have to consider is God. Yeah. So, um, in that way, this season has been really rewarding. Um, so. That's yeah. some good stuff. Um, yeah, I think like right at the end of that paragraph, he says, our singleness is not for us, but for the Lord. It not concerns for, it's not for our concerns, but for his. So that, that just like really connects. Um, it's all about God. Sweet. Let's mm -hmm. get to the next one. So singleness requires a mm -hmm. special calling. That one I found particularly interesting. What, do you, what, what did you take from that myth? So... Um, I'm rereading the notes that I have from this chapter. And I just said, um, having godly contentment in a season, in the midst of all seasons, sometimes life doesn't seem great, whether you're single, married, married with kids, divorced, whether your life is going with our plans or not, we're still building God's kingdom in the midst of personal discontentment. Um, and then I said, for example, am I still being obedient to God's call in my life, even when some components aren't sought fully through? Um, but I, I don't, I don't necessarily think that it requires a call. Um, I yeah. think it just requires godly content, contentment. Right. Yeah. Um, which is why it's a myth, but, uh, so he says, but while single people, so I never thought of this. So singleness, we talk about like, oh, it's a gift from God. But like, um, I've never thought of it as like a gift to God. And Sam Albury talks about that a little bit. He says, um, mm -hmm. where is it? Uh, but while single people may chuckle at the idea of God giving such a, un a potentially unwanted gift, we need to be careful and recognize that, recognize what and who it is we're laughing at. God is no fool. Um, and then he says, mm -hmm. what is the gift of singleness? And I've never like actually thought of it as like, oh, well, I'm being single for God instead of like, God gave this to me, whatever. And yeah. Yeah. And I think some people think of, of singleness, not at all as a gift, but as punishment. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, I think that's, that's really how some people perceive it as like, they haven't done enough to like un unlock the next life achievement. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sam Albury calls it a superpower. I was like, yeah, like that's what a lot of people think. Like, oh, you're single. Like, how do you do that? Is what some people might ask. Um, 
I just thought that was like super interesting. Yeah, really quickly at the beginning of the book, I uh, deeply loved how he was like, yeah, you go on a conversation like, oh, are you married? And if right. you say yes, then they ask all these different conversations. <laughs> and if you say no, I think he describes it as like awkwardly leaving or exiting a call to stack. And I deeply love that because I, I feel that on a, on a deep level, especially working at a church. Yeah, I, I feel like that's just like an easy topic to talk about at church. Like, <laughs> like, oh, are you dating someone? Oh, are you married? Uh, I mean, I'm 18, so like obviously I'm not married or have kids. But that's like a super easy like conversation to talk about. Like our kids, yeah. our marriage, whatever. And so like he has like five and different... people don't mean it in a bad way. Right, but yeah. It's just funny because their perception of me being single is that I'm not happy with that. Right. And that it's a sensitive topic. And for me, it's not sensitive because I can tell you the 10 things I've been able to do when I've been single and celebrate those things. I mean, I don't cry myself to sleep, which I think they think I do, but I do not. <laughs> yeah, like literally when I started this podcast, before I like started recording, I asked Elisa, like, is this like, can we talk about singleness? Like, are you fine with that? Uh, and I think there's like a really big perception that like anyone who isn't or is single is going to be unwilling to talk about it or something like that um, yeah but he has like five different points of why thinking that like singleness is like a superpower um is a really bad way of thinking like there's a lot of problems with that so the first one is it's ultimately another way of denying the intrinsic good of singleness and so he talks kind of like about um if it really is like a supernatural like spiritual superpower um it must really be terrible to have it um i just thought that was super interesting uh, next one was it can encourage bitterness rather than the, than the pursuit of godly contentment. We talked about that one a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. Some people become like really bitter that they're single. Um, it is unwilling. It unwillingly permits disobedience. And then where's the fourth one? It is hard to see why God, why someone should not apply themselves. Should not wait. Should not apply the same logic to marriage. And the very last one. It doesn't fit with Paul's teaching, teachings of like singleness in general. Um, so he says, the goodness of the gift, it serves to remind us, even in the midst of those challenges, we can taste something of the goodness of God. Mm -hmm. uh, I think a lot of people just like to sit in singleness and sit in like that, uh, that season and take it like, it's my like season singleness, I have to be like this and like, become really bitter about it yeah and I think um something that a lot of people just carry is having shame in whatever they go through and I'm not the type to, of person to do that <laughs> so I think it's it can be easy for me to be like okay let's let's maximize this um but I get where people come from but like let's move forward like there's too many people that need to be reached for us to just like sit around and be sad right about us not having a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a husband or a wife. Um, like, come on guys, there's, there's work to be done. Yeah, I feel that. Um, let's move on to the next one. Mm -hmm. So the next one is, I, I like this one a lot. It was singleness means no intimacy. And so what, what do you, what do you think about that first? I mean, I disagree completely. Um, <laughs> Um, I, before I even like read this chapter, I definitely laughed because I believe that I'm quote intimate with a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> um, and in my interpretation of that, like I know people intimately, um, because I care for them deeply and, um, people there are people in my life that know me well and love me really well. And so in that sense, I think there's intimacy there. Yeah. Yeah. Just full clar clarification for anyone listening. When we say we disagree with the myth, like it's a myth for a reason and we disagree with it because it's a myth. Uh, yeah. I think today's culture is like super like, it's like a lot of like hookup culture. Um, and like you get your most intimacy from sex and people just forget that 
you can be intimate without that. Uh, he says, Sam Albury says, we see the same dynamic today. Hookup culture means that it can be very easy to have sex with someone you've only just met and barely know. It's a huge error for to mistake this for true, true intimacy. Sexual union is design, designed to express and deepen intimacy within marriage. It cannot in itself create from scratch. That last sentence, or like the, yeah, that last sentence really just like, whoa, it cannot yeah. create from scratch. Yeah. No, I, I definitely, I definitely agree with that. I mean, I think one of our deepest needs in life is to just be known and be loved. And um, you can't do that with hookup culture. It just, they, it just does not go together. You can't be known and loved when you're just hooking up with somebody. Um, but I, 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 I loved this chapter, especially talking about friendships. Um, the quote on page 47, I hope it's the same page for you as, as it is for me. Um, it says, a brother is stuck with you. A brother is obligated to be some kind of safety net. That is what family's for. But a friend chooses you. When someone loves you at all time, good and bad, and they don't have to, but they choose to, that person is a friend. And I mean, he, he talks way more about friendship in this, but um, I think that's how I can be so happy in this singleness is because there are people who know me and love me and choose me. Mm. And that is more than enough for me yeah most of the chapter on intimacy is all about like friendship and how like friendship is just downgraded um he says in recent years friend has gone from being a noun to a verb and something mm -hmm. that describes something pretty mundane and so like we friend someone on facebook we want to like and that's like super just uh an acquaintance yeah that's i barely yeah. know people i see them like oh friend or like just like a follow on Instagram and it's largely just been downgraded like he says. Mm -hmm. um, do you have are there a lot of people at your church who just like who you would call like yourself like super intimate with? Um at one point there used to be a lot more because when I first started at the church, I started a small group of it was six girls including myself, six young women and um, we met every week for about six months until eventually three of them moved away for jobs. Um, so I think in, in that, not as much as there was, but mm -hmm. yes, there are people who do know me um, intimately, which is rewarding knowing that there's people who love me even when I don't necessarily meet their my own or their own work standards for me yeah yeah this, the this love chapter, is not based off of performance right this chapter yeah. goes really good it's the next one um mm -hmm. i this next chapter is one that really just like caught me off guard and made me just think about it for a long time i bawled um, really it was yeah. such a good chapter i really enjoyed yeah. reading it and it made me just like I'm, i'll just get to it singleness means no family uh what it yeah what do you think about that there's a lot yeah, to talk about I mean, for that <laughs> um i deeply disagree <laughs> um and i don't think it's just because i work with kids and i get to know my families at work but um the people that i'm friends with who are married engaged have children um, have definitely welcomed me as part of their family. And, um, like I have house keys to like people's homes and, um, standing invitations and I get to walk their dog when I'm there. I get to hold their baby when I'm there. I get to help set the table. And so I think it's hard to say, that you can't have a family if you're single because the things I just shared are all things that you do with a family. Yeah. Let me read the passage really quick that Sam Alberry talks about because it was so good. 
Um, mm-hmm. So this one comes from Mark 10, 28 and 20, or 28 through 29 or 28 through 30. Oh my goodness. Um, he says, mm-hmm. Peter began to say to him, see, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus says, Jesus said, truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or, or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive hundredfold now in this time. Houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions, all and in the age to come and come eternal life. And so he talks about that passage like we look at the first half of it like, oh, we'll receive a hundredfold. But then we forget about the last part where it's like houses and brothers, new sisters, new mothers, new children, new lands, and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And for me, like I just actually didn't perceive the church as a family for a long time. And because yeah. of like my own background, I just didn't actually um see the church. Like I have I've had like such like a convoluted and complex way of viewing family and that word. I'm sure there's a lot of people who like have that. Mm-hmm. But and so going into church, like I still saw like a super conditional, like they only love me, they only invited me to the homes because like they have to, because like they're my uh, like group leaders and like they're a youth pastor or like whatever. And it was really easy to go in church and like not realize or not separate the two um, from each other. Like my new family from like my earthly family. And mm-hmm. even like my earthly family like has hurt me in the past. And like, it's such a weird, va- weird, weird view of like seeing family. Um, my new family is nothing like that. And yeah, yeah no, that, I just found that like. I like, completely I agree with that. I grew up in a single parent household. Mm where um my mom deeply loved my brothers and I but it's a different kind of love when people are choosing you and are adopting you yeah in that sense of like they um I don't know like they, they're living out the gospel and um to to see it is really moving yeah, and to like actually understand that they're just doing it because they truly and deeply care for you and not because like they have to is like, whoa, mm-hmm. that's some good yeah. stuff. So he continues yeah. talking about it. He says, we are the mothers and fathers, sisters and brothers, the sons and daughters that Jesus is promising in Mark 10. It makes Jesus' promise quite unusual. There is a sense in which it depends on us to fulfill it. The people of Jesus Christ are to be family. Mm-hmm. Like, whoa. Truth, like, yeah. I don't know, it's like how to comment on that because I think it just kind of spells it out for itself. Um, yeah. I think for yeah. a lot of people, they, it just, it's, it really is super hard to like see um, churches like an after family and not like, and separate like your definition from family and like the Bible's definition because those yeah. are probably really different. Um, yeah. Um, and I think, you know, going off a little bit, when you read No Family, I think a lot of people think you have to have a mom and you have to have a dad to have yeah. children. And um, I mean, that was not my case. I mean, I obviously had a mom and a dad, but I grew up with a single parent. And you look at people in the Bible who are like, oh yeah, I, um, you know, they are divorced or they are widowed and people still care for them. And so it's like, you're still allowed to care for, um, kids and to have children, even if you don't have the traditional family. Mm -hmm. And so I hope people don't think that it has to be, um, it has to be a mom and a dad in order to raise up kids because eventually when you do become part of these little families, like you are raising up those kids and you can do it, you know, on your own, but um, by no means does singleness mean you can't have family because my story proves otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, like I'm just now realizing like um, how much of a family it is and it's not just like, people I see twice a week, three times a week, however many times to see them in the week. Um, but it's like an actual family, people who just 
yeah no this chapter has really just like changed my view on not only like family and singleness um but just of like how my placement in the church almost mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah next one singleness hinders ministry and that's an interesting one because i think a lot of people think that um you have to be married or have to like have or yeah have to be married to be in ministry and like only makes sense for that but what do you Mm -hmm. what do you think about yeah i mean i'm not married and i'm in ministry and i'm doing it whoa (laughs) um yeah i i think i think if you're saying you have to be married then you're discrediting every other bit of your testimony like we were talking about to begin with because i can connect with so many different people in so many different ways because of all the little details and so to have that one thing to be like oh well now you're no longer effective discredits everything that jesus does for us right like truth yeah (laughs) and and i'm not gonna allow that like why don't i why don't i get to glorify god and build god's kingdom because i don't have one box checked off I don't believe, I don't believe that's who Jesus is. Right. So Sam mentions it kind of like this. He says, at the end of the day, what the congregation most needs to hear is not the wisdom of a pastor or the wisdom a pastor might have accumulated over the years of a husband or father, but God's wisdom revealed in his word. I think a lot Mm -hmm. of people speak when they preach, like it's easy to speak from experience um, and not from the word. Uh, Paragraph back, I think he talks about that um where is it oh yeah he says singers also makes it easier to speak from the pulpit about some aspects of family family life uh one of the married one of my married pastor colleagues noticed that if he speaks in the hardships of marriage church members start to wonder Mm. if it means he's having a difficult time with his own marriage at home while it is a good well it's good to have be able to have the experience to speak from Sometimes people assume it might mean you must be speaking from experience, even if that just, even if you're just making a general observation from scripture. And so that is so true. A lot of times people just give advice without going into scripture, like not even just like with like marriage. Um, people just give advice based on experience a lot without having God in it at all. Um, it's just based off like, well, I know this. And so I'll just do this instead of what does the word say is true? How should I approach it based on what scripture says? Um, yeah. Cause that's not going to change whether or not you're married or right. single. So yeah. Totally. Yeah. It's the last, Oh, the last sentence of the like entire chapter is kind of like something up. Just yeah, as marriage it. by itself isn't a qualification for a gospel ministry, so also singleness by itself isn't a hindrance. Yeah, I think, I don't know. Uh, I was talking to like one youth pastor, I think he's a youth pastor, I don't really know, um, kind of recently, and he said like his job was like almost in a line because like he was single and they wanted like a, a married pastor or something like that. What do you, what do you think about that? in terms of logistics or like what do you mean um because he said he like almost they just wanted to hire a different youth pastor because like they wanted a married one. Oh no that's legit that is a legitimate thing that there are churches that will only hire people if they're married and um it's for several reasons number one they want the staff to be unpaid staff which is bogus yeah. um and I think they also think, okay, they, um, they won't like date someone else from the church and that won't get messy. Um, which I'm kind of like, okay, what's wrong with like meeting someone from your church? Like hopefully they love Jesus too. Um, (laughs) (laughs) but, uh, no, that's like a legit thing that there are churches that won't hire you until you're married. Um, yeah, I don't think that's right at all. I don't like uh, that. Yeah, and I mean, 
I think there are some jobs that um yeah I years ago I was looking at this job opportunity as being a house parent in on a it for a mission organization in Africa mm. and in order to be the house parent you had to be married and when I read that I was super disheartened because <laughs> I'm like okay I'm not qualified um but I I get it in that sense of like they want they were doing their best to present what family looks like and they were going to protect that job in order for those kids that would have those house parents to be like okay this is what this is what god modeled for us this is what he wants for us that's the best um but i was still super disappointed nonetheless but um but i think when it comes to like okay you're going to be a youth pastor or you're going to be a small group director um I, I, I just don't think that necessarily qualifies you or disqualifies you. Cause I know a lot of people who are married that aren't that great. And I know a lot of people who um, are married who are super awesome. So, but it goes both ways. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So the next one is singleness waste your sexuality. Yeah. What do you think? So, I mean, I think that, I mean, like I said before, our deepest desire is to be known, to be fully known and fully loved. And so I, I don't, for me, this chapter like didn't do much for me. Um, and like this concept, cause I'm just like, wait, what? <laughs> but, um, I don't, I don't know. I just don't, I just don't focus that much of my time on right. what I'm missing. Yeah. I think quote missing. Yeah. Quote. Yeah. Um, I'll just read some of the quotes from here that I, that really stuck out to me. Cause mm-hmm. um, so just in general, I think people actually forget a lot about what marriage is um, especially in a biblical sense, what it means. And so Sam Albury says for marriage to be a reflection of Christ in a church, it must be between, between like and unlike male and female changes the arrangement and you end up distorting the spiritual reality to which it points alter marriage. And you end up distorting the gospel. It is meant to portray. And he says, marriage is a sign of all things in heaven and on earth coming together in Christ. It is not to be idolized. Marriage is not ultimate, but it points to one thing. Marriage itself is not meant to fulfill us, but to point to point to that, which does. Their own marriage is the one we find in Christ. Our marriages on earth is a visual aid of that. And he talks about like Zoolander. Have you seen that movie before? Yeah, I have. I saw that like probably like 12 years ago. It's been so long since I uh-huh. even heard that, that name. <laughs> but he gives an example of like Zoolander, who is like this model who gets a, um, a school or something. Yeah, a mm-hmm. school built it for him. Um, what is this for ants? Yeah. <laughs> and so the school is like a model. It's like really small. I looked at a picture of it. It's like the size of his head. But and he's like, why? Yeah, he says, is this a school for ants? Um, <laughs> he thinks, so Sam Aubrey says, he thinks he's seen the actual school. He's mistaken the model for the reality. Um, and we do the same with marriage. Very easily, we mistake it for the fuller reality and ultimate satisfaction to which it points. Even in our Christian circles, we all we do this all the time. Uh, we expect from our earthly marriages what we find only in our spiritual one. Yeah, I think. Yeah, talking with some of my friends, like they just have a really like big standard on what marriage should look like. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Sam talks about like that's just like. Um, a really big burden you shouldn't put on your like significant other. Yeah. I mean, if you're, if you're only marrying someone to get closer to God, there are lots of other things you could do to get closer to God. Um, But I think being with someone 
and honoring God together and, you know, blessing the people around you and being a servant to one another. I think you can expect those things in one another, but to say this person's going to be the light of my life. Yeah. Um, that's a no go. <laughs> that's a massive burden is like, as like flattering as that might even, sound. Like they're going to run out of steam. They're not like, there are going to be moments where they're not that great. And, but you know, who is great all the time. Jesus. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, again, I don't think we can look at marriage like, okay, my life is unlocked or like I took a step closer to God because I did this one thing. Um, because as he says in the book, you're probably not going to be married the rest of your days. So how can, was, how yeah. can you find fulfillment um, and grow closer to God without having the excuse that you're doing it because you're married? Hmm. Yeah. So he says, um, later he says, it will be absent in the age to come and is not vital in this present time. This is a reality. This reality is reflected in the life of Jesus himself, the most fully human, complete person to ever live on earth, did so as someone who was single, and yet he called himself the bridegroom. Um, singleness for us now is also a way of bearing witness to this reality. Like Jesus, we can live in a way that anticipates what's to come. Singleness now is a way of saying that the future reality is so certain and so good that we can embrace it now. If marriage mm-hmm. shows the shape of the gospel, singleness shows its sufficiency. Ain't that the truth? That was some good stuff. Um, yeah, like like the Zoolander example. That's just like a, a model of what he saw, um, not the actual like, school itself. Singleness shows us that we can stay sufficient in the gospel, like that we don't need more. Um, Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The very next page, he says, it's allowing our sexual feelings to point to the reality of the gospel. We will never ultimately make sense of what our sexuality is unless we know what it is for. The point is to God's love for God's love for us in Christ. And that's how he ends off the chapter. But yeah, no, this, that chapter just stuck out to me a ton. Um, I can stay single and become and be sufficient in the gospel. And I can say in that and know that there's a better future coming. And it might not like look like what I think my life should look like sometimes, mm-hmm. but it's better. And I can find fulfillment in who is better. Yeah. Dope. So then the last chapter is a contradiction from the very first one. So it says singleness is easy. Um, any big takeaways from that? Just the myth itself, too. Um, well, I think touching on the book quickly and then from life experience, what he talked about in this chapter, which number one, he was super emotional. Yeah, it kind of made me sad. Um, I was like, wow, I am, I don't like that. <laughs> um, like in the first chapter, it, it kind of felt like whiplash because in the first chapter, it was not at all personal and it was just like, here it is, take it or leave it. And now he's like, here's where I'm at and I'm heartbroken. <laughs> um, and so I'm like, is this the same author? What is happening? But again, he, he, okay. He sounded super selfish. I'm just going to throw that out there because he was like, it's all about me. I'm losing everybody. I lose my job. The world revolves around me and it doesn't. And I, I completely see where he's coming from because I've had those days where I have pity parties too. From my experience, singleness can suck. When I moved to a new town, my best friend got married and we basically broke up my best friend and I, um, when my first real small group disbanded, that sucked. I get it. Like, I see, I see that it isn't easy, but, um, 
again, there's just so much work to be done. That like, how long can we sit and just like be upset that our life isn't what we want it to be? Because most of the stuff that we want is um, like worldly possessions, you know? Mm. Yeah, he talks about like... Or like ego boost. Even, even the last chapter, none of it is to stay. Um, we're going to find something way better. We have a hope in something way better um, after this life. And so the first part of the chapter actually kind of, for me, I was just, I was like, wow, this is pretty sad. I don't, <laughs> I don't like this that much. Because it's mostly just him like, yeah, you're going to lose all your friends. I lost all my friends. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm so lonely all the time. I was like, okay, well great mm-hmm. but and so he talks but that can about ha- that can happen whether or not you're married right like you can you can lose a friend quote to a job um which i have an issue with of him being like my friend picked a job over me get over it you are a grown man you are a grown man quit whining about that but that can that can happen when you're married that can happen when you're a grandparent that can happen to anyone so to blame it on singleness and to say like you get to be more upset because you're single. Got him. Adam, come on. <laughs> um yeah. So then he talks about it kind of like or is it? Yeah, he says the key to commitment as a single person is not to make singleness into something that will satisfy us, is to find contentment in Christ as a single person. The key to contentment as a married person is not trying to build a marriage that can make us content. It's to find contentment in Christ as a married person. This is liberating. It means that my contentment is not contingent on my marital status or on the number and depth of my friendships. These are not the most significant um, determiners of what will make my life ultimately work. We need to consider the force of these words of Jesus. And he says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall not thirst. And that's John 6.35. What do you what do you think about that? I mean, I agree, but we every relationship that we know is because a lot of the relationships we know it's because we see it, you know, and like mm. they're just broken relationships. That's just, it's just because we live in a broken world. And so I understand that we put a lot of pressure on those things because a lot of us, that's the only thing we know. Like that's the only definition of friendship or family. Um, and it's a lot harder to say, okay, at the end of the day, does that matter? It's hard to ask ourselves that question. Right. And it's even harder when we don't have the correct answer. Yeah. That's good stuff. Overall, what did you think of the book? Would you recommend this to like anyone? Because I recommend it to a lot of people who I know who are getting married or like they're not even single. I recommend it to a lot of people. They're not like, even single. Like they're not even like they're in a committed like, relationship. Like my friend Tyler Hungate, I recommend it to him, even though he's okay. getting married. Because it was just like such like a interesting book to look through and like maybe kind of like view singleness in, in a way different way. Yeah, I mean, would I recommend the book to select people? Yes, because I think they would take from it what they should. Would I say anyone should read this? No, because I think they're not in a place to be like, God's good at the end of the day. I think they would just be like, here, here are all the points of proving why this is the worst season of my life. And they wouldn't get from it. Like it does not matter if you're single dating, engaged, married, your worth is not determined by your relationship with anyone except the intensity that you're running after God. Hmm. Um, but uh, something he did mention is that, um, like when you are in a church 
uh, it's important for the married people to know where the single people are coming from and for the single people to know where the married people are coming from. So in that, I would say there are some people that I think would be, this would be helpful to say, okay, I recognize that right now the best way I can serve them is to be their family. Um, you know, or, or to, um, just make sure that they're being seen right now. So, yeah. Yeah. I, it's not that I didn't love it. It's not that I hated it. It's not that I was in love with it, but it, for me, it was all, um, a good reminder of just like what, what I value and a reminder that other people value very different things than me. Mm. Yeah. Let's kind of transition to something kind of similar. What yeah. are some books I like you in podcasts? Are you like a podcaster at all? Do you listen to I, I do. What do you listen to? Um, I love Annie F. Downs. That sounds fun. She, I like want to be her best friend. She has the best laugh ever. Um, Amanda Carpenter, a longer table podcast. She, um, has very diverse voices on her show that I need in my life that I just need to hear things that are very different from my own thoughts, which is why this book was good for me. Um, because those weren't, I don't, I don't need to hear my own thoughts. I need to hear other people's, um, uh, who else do I love? Um, books, things like that. I love single dating engaged married by Ben Stewart. I don't know if you've read that one, Adam. I know the author. I just haven't read the book. Uh, the book is really good. I recommend that book to everyone. Like I've bought that book for some friends because I'm like, you have to read this book. Um, let's see, what other books am I super into? Um, I'm kind of drawing a blank. Are you Tim Keller type of person? Uh, I have read some of his stuff. Um, not necessarily on the, like, religion, but just on, like, emotional health. Brene Brown. Hmm. I deeply love her. Um, who else? Talking about love, uh, what's it called? A love letter, what's it called? A Love Letter Life by the Roloffs. That's oh. an interesting book too. Um, I don't know, what podcast are you into? I love listening to the Bible Project. They're just super, they go super mm-hmm. in depth about just like um, biblical topics and I just find it super interesting. Um, I used to listen to a lot of his, like, Exploring My Strange Bible, but they stopped making those sad. Um, one of the podcasts that kind of, like, inspired me for this is the Grain of Salt podcast. Uh, some guys from Iowa City Salt Company made it. Uh-huh. Um, so I, I like listening to them and, like, hearing from other staff from other salt companies because I go to the salt company in Ames. And so yeah. hearing other how like the other salt companies are kind of thriving is just super like great interesting um i'm sure it's super encouraging yeah i know it's super like to see not just like that oh we planted a church in our city or cedar falls or um minnesota or bloomington indiana or next year columbia um ohio or columbus ohio in 2021 michigan michigan oh yeah we just planted michigan um where else we have a ton of Kansas city, Missouri. Yeah. Um, but it's super great to hear these, how these churches are thriving and they're not like, yeah, no, it's just super cool to see what God's doing in other places besides Ames. Yeah. Yes. Um, one of the books I just finishing right now, uh, the ruthless elimination of hurry by John Mark Comer. That book is yeah. super good. Have you I heard of it? I haven't read that book, but... I had to stop. Um, I couldn't, because, like, I was so convicted, and I was like, I just need to put this down for a little bit. So I think it's, like, oh, it's right here. I'm, like, halfway through it. I just stopped. So, like, he had a... Midway through the book, so the pages are all white. 
but then he has an intermission that's all black and it talks about disciplines Uh uh-huh it was like but the first part of the book is all about our attention spans and how like our attention spans have gone down and like how hurried we think we are and like how we live in such Mm -hmm. a hurried world and so he talks about oh man we're gonna talk about a whole different book now um but he talks Uh about how like humans used to have an attention span of 12 seconds and then eventually like cell phones internet uh things came um even like lights because like people used to like go to sleep when the sun went down wake up when the sun came up we went through the rhythms of the world not like whatever but then we had like lights and like the world's at our pace yes and so we had like light bulbs and stuff like that like we were extending our day um and stuff like that but since all those and like technology advancements we went from 12 seconds to eight seconds he puts it in perspective he says that goldfishes have an attention span of mm-hmm. nine seconds I'm like oh mm-hmm. so we're losing to a goldfish great but like when you even think about it like um social media is like vine did you ever use vine ever not really and so so vine was like a for those who don't know because it's gone now it's <laughs> like seven it's like tiktok but seven second long videos mm-hmm. it's like that's like actually perfect to keep someone hooked in because your if your attention span is eight seconds you watch a seven second video you can say oh i can watch one more and then your attention is re-grabbed and it's a long like cycle just like oh one more one more one more one more and i find that super true like today people really really love to indulge in like such small quick satisfaction yeah right like we want to be satisfied now and then later um one author talks about like we traded wisdom for information death for breath Um, we want to microwave maturity Mm. that's like but reading the first few chapters i was just like crap i'm in i'm in trouble there's a lot of um conviction right now so i'm halfway through the book right now this next part is all about like salute or the practices we can like incorporate into our lives um like slowing sabbath solitude stuff like that mm-hmm. but i had to stop there because i was like i need to just think about this for a little while and yeah so that book has really affected me um this past year actually i've took my phone put it in grayscale and so that it's less interesting to me. And so like, I don't use it as much. Um, for a while I deleted my, like my, all my social medias. I think Twitter is actually just permanently deleted now. I just got rid of it because it was terrible. Um, but another book I read, so The Ford is written by a guy named John Ortberg. And I read his book, Life Always Wanted. And he's a chapter all about like a hurried life. Mm-hmm. I read that, was super convicted delete everything on my phone basically my phone's like a dumb phone at this point i barely use it but yeah that book and the life it was wanted by john orberg have really changed me um radical by your reply it's really really good to like remind me about like missions um what is it called seeking seeking Allah, finding jesus is super interesting it's about a muslim guy who tries to like refute his roommate this is like a real story story ends up like falling in love with christ and mm-hmm. coming to christ and that's just like wow but yeah those are some of the books i love um in fact i did seeking Allah, finding jesus as a book report my senior year of high school and teaching yeah i for some reason i feel like we have talked about you reading that book oh yeah i think we talked about it in my summer games interview for like last year we talked about how i was reading that but yeah yeah but yeah i think we're kind of like almost we're almost at an hour i think we're past an hour already so alisa um where can people contact you if they have like questions or like comments at all yeah well maybe yeah you can find me at alisa a-l-i-s-a b as in boy at ChristChurchDavenport.org. Otherwise, if you're hoping to connect, you can probably find me on the Instagram 
my newest and latest project is trying to write regularly at Big Big Blogs on the IG. So you can find me on there. Well, sweet. Um, thanks for coming, Alisa. Everyone, thanks for listening. Yeah, nice. it's been a good time. All right, folks, there it is. Hope you all enjoyed. If you guys have any questions or concerns or comments, um, you can message me on Instagram at the Upside Down Kingdom Podcast. Um, again, the book is called Seven Minutes About Singleness by Sam Alberry. Till next time, guys.